welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. We are recording two days later than normal. Uh, apologies for that. We'll get to the story of why that is in a moment. Um, my name's Adam, one of the co-hosts. My other co-host, Jared, is off for a few weeks. And jumping back in to fill his void is my brother, Kieran, Titans fan from Southern Brizzy. How you going, buddy? Awesome. What's going on? Oh, man. Oh, good I, week in NRL. Yes. Very, very little, really. Like, there is some stories, but nothing... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? No highlight stories, we'll say, but we will cover them all. Um, how's your week been outside rugby league world? Good. Finally got to have a night out with the baby, without the baby. Sorry. <laughs> Unless you're referring to Tash uh, as the baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I left one at home, kept one uh, for the night. Um, had a, well, it was good. I double date. And then... Um, TV died, so I had to go out and buy another TV. So Ooh. there goes a few weeks worth of wages in one go. But oh, yeah. uh, bought a good TV for sports, so I'm looking forward to the upcoming cricket. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, just for clarification there, Kieran and his beautiful wife Tash hadn't had a night out without their bub since she'd been born. So, yeah, they double dated with good mate of ours from our childhood Nick and his fiance Kylie and um, was dinner as cultured and refined as you expected without the baby? Oh, it was very romantic. <laughs> uh, you and Nick. Brain, yeah, brain answers are blossoming at full. <laughs> full <laughs> <laughs> and the girl's oh, like, oh nah. gosh, I wish we'd brought the baby. Yep, a couple of Italian craft beers as well. Actually, it wasn't too bad. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, just speaking about big TV, I'm starting to get oh, actually, no, I wouldn't have kicked off yet. No, I will. Sorry, yeah, two weeks. The Ashes, so we've got our tickets for the Saturday, seven of us going down, and the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, while I'm at work, um, 100%. We're going to bring down the big screen, the projector, and just it'll be cranking through our big sports, uh, sports hall at, at school for three oh, days. Awesome. Yeah. I'll have no classes by that stage. It'll just be all supervision. So I know what I'm going to be doing. Um, yeah, even. Oh, yes. Hopefully it's no three days so we get to watch something on Saturday. Yeah, bloody hope. Um, yeah, year 12's finished up last week. And then my 11s and uh, 10s finished this week. And then, yeah, two weeks with the year eights pretty much. So, but yeah, the reason why we didn't record... Tuesday night or Monday night was um, on Monday playing basketball with one of my classes. I um, took quite a nasty fall onto the concrete floor of our sports hall and cracked the back of my head open and took my first ever ride in an ambulance, <laughs> uh, which is brilliant. And um, ended up being a, one of those cuts that has like three flaps of skin folding in different directions. So oh, very, nice. yeah, very upfront straight talking doctor came in and said we can glue it and I was like oh 
yeah, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, can't get wet and you can't sweat too much. And I work in Gympie, which is like 35 degrees in the shade usually. So I was like, oh, it's probably not the best option. She's like, we can staple it. I was like, okay. 100% expecting her to put a local anesthetic in. She's like, oh, if I do that, I've got to put like six needles. It's going to hurt more. So we'll just go for it. It'll probably rattle your head a little bit. Just get comfortable and we'll get over and done with. And all I could, all I could picture was, you remember, Mick, it was Mick Devere, wasn't it? Getting the staples put into yeah, his eyebrow Mick Devere. in That's State it. of Origin. The staple gun got caught, didn't it? On his eyebrows, like hanging yeah, there. Yeah, it's just, it got caught there and it was hanging there. And <laughs> he went back out and Queensland, like first thing they did, was just smacked him in the eye, eyebrow and it was just like his and blood. And I was yep. like, yeah, no worries. I'll just get comfortable. And it, it sounded exactly how you'd expect it just a stapler on roids is it sounded like a massive thing i could feel my skin get like pulled in together so there's like three staples in my head at the moment and decided to rest up monday and tuesday night um yeah and that's why we're recording on the wednesday night instead so sorry about that and it's been quite hard to get in touch with jared um because he's been in Bundaberg and cairns and townsville and i'm sitting in the waiting room the hospital and I see he's on messenger ended up messaging him it was like a four-hour gap before he was going to the airport so he ended up picking me up from the air uh, from the hospital and taking me back to work first time I've seen Jared in a few weeks so um he's doing well and yeah he'll, he'll be back on board probably around January something like that so yeah that's what's been going on um right. let's jump into it so we're going to be starting this week with uh, touching on the World Cup, we're going to look at the Panthers Premiership Parade. Um, there's a couple of COVID stories and then a couple of NRL, NRLPA things with regards to uh, fixing this transfer system, which is an embarrassment. And then obviously looking at all the things that the embarrassment does do, which is create transfer rumours and signings and all that sort of stuff. So it was announced this week that Australia and New Zealand have signed on for the postponed Rugby League World Cup. So those who missed that, yeah. everyone else signed on for the Rugby World Cup for 2021, except for Australia and New Zealand, uh, due to the COVID concerns in the UK. Ultimately, International Rugby League made a decision to postpone it till the end of the 2022 season. Kangaroos and Kiwis have signed on for that. And what a lot of people may not know since 2017 final, where Australia beat England 6 0, Australia's only played four test matches, which is literally no, like one a year. No. Football. And they've only won two of them. And the last outing being the 16 12 loss to Tonga uh, at Eden Park in 2019. So, wow. It's going to be a very, very much looked forward to tournament. Uh, Kiwis will go in as the world number one. Uh, as they were before COVID-19 pretty much halted the world for two years and still continues to do so in some parts of the world. So just a, a recap, Australia's got three group games against Fiji on the 15th of October, uh, which will be in Leeds, and then Friday the 22nd of October uh, versus Scotland, and then Saturday the 29th of October versus Italy. So you'd expect Australia to win those three pretty handsomely, although Australia versus Fiji should be pretty entertaining. Uh, it will be entertaining. Yes. Play a good, good brand of football with Fijians. It'll be fast and energetic, but 
uh, their defense will not be able to hold. Well, not. We were actually talking about this, I think, with Wall a couple of weeks ago or last week about the Fiji backline. If all the union guys were still here, you'd have like Korobiti, Vunavalu, Radradra, and Sivo all in the same backline. It's just two of them would have to play center. Four wingers. Yeah, four wingers. So, <laughs> so see, exciting in attack, no defense. No, no defense. I was like, that, that'd be epic to watch. So, it, it's pretty hard to pick. I think what the Australian team could even look like at the end of next season, uh, considering how many of the regulars from 2017 have since retired or will have retired by then. Uh, you think of like, obviously. Well, even uh, since the last game we played in yeah. 2019. That's, yeah. That's like no Boyd Cordner. I'm a Manly fan, but you'd probably expect no Cherry Evans by that stage, I think, um, even though he'll, he was in he'll... really good form. Um, he'll be he in the squad. Yeah. But I think, yeah, Cleary would pass him by then. Um, obviously, no Smith um, is going to be big. Who's going to get the starting dummy half role for Australia? Is it going to be Harry Grant? At most, you'd assume so. But obviously, um, Damien Cook will be pushing for that as well. So there's going to be a lot of questions up in the air with regards to who's going to get the positions, what's the back line going to look like. Trebojevic will probably be playing in the centres, you'd assume. Um, does Gay Guy still mm-hmm. hold on to a position? Tedesco at fullback? We'll, we'll see. So that's something really interesting to keep um, an eye on. Yeah, so our, the next year's Origin series is going to be uh, very interesting for the Australian selection as well. Oh, 100%. So just a reminder, it's the first time that We'll have the men's, the women's, and the wheelchair tournaments all on at the same time. And we talked last week, I think, about France being the world number one in wheelchair rugby league. So I'm really excited to watch to watch that on top of everything. Did else. you end up watching the highlights? I did. It was brilliant. It was it was really cool. There's enough there's enough differences to murder ball, which is wheelchair rugby. Um, they do do try to replicate the sets as well as possible. Uh, I still didn't understand the kicking, um, which to me I thought was forward passing to start with. Um, I think the highlights were exciting to watch, but didn't really help me understand how the whole game works. I probably should have read into the rules a bit more afterwards. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, hopefully it gets the um, the due uh, ad- advertisement and marketing that it deserves. So really looking forward to that. Penny Panthers um, had their premiership parade 40 day, 48 days after clinching the premiership trophy. There's approximately 10,000 fans down at Blue Bet Stadium to celebrate the club's third premiership. They went through on the bus. You've probably seen the viral clip of Jerome Luai going up the doggies to kick out on the top of the bus. And we'll touch on that story a bit later on. Uh, yeah, how Most, good. It's awesome they can get back to their fans and 10,000 people is a great turnout. Yeah, that's that's pretty much half the stadium of capacity. Um, they got given the keys to the city, obviously. Um, oh, what else was I going to cover on there? Nice. Oh, there it is there. So I was just talking about the, the huge thanks to the uh, fans down at in Penrith and obviously not being able to win the premiership down in Sydney and thanking all those that traveled up and were able to travel and did it safely. 
and the support that they felt while up in the Queensland bubble was something that they obviously um, held dear and got them through and was a, a huge motivation for them uh, to win the premiership. Momorowski was there, as was um, other players that have since left the club or will be leaving the club and signed on with other teams. Um, That's the other one I'm trying to think of, Kurt Capewell as well, and Matt Burton. That's the other one. So congratulations again yeah, to Penrith and an awesome thing um, to be able to celebrate as a fan. Yeah, it'd be annoying for the fans, obviously, not being able to be at the grand final in Sydney. So it's really good. Good to see they all got the reception they deserved. I've been old enough for two Manly grand final wins, been to one of them, but being at a grand final parade is something I would love to go to one day. And obviously living in Queensland, yeah. I'd have to make the trip down specifically for that. And maybe one day being in a financial position to do so would be, it, it'd be a brilliant thing to do. Um, the Titans win one, you can come down to Gold Coast. And watch oh yeah, I'd come down to that one. That'd be worth it. Come down and support that. So, yeah, congratulations, Penrith. And the or if you haven't seen the pictures, jump on NRL.com or the Penrith Panthers website and have a look at everything looked awesome, as it should. Now, sticking with Penrith, a um, bit of a negative on this one, talking about this World Club Challenge. So after each season of the Super League and the NRL, the two winners uh, versus each other in the World Club Challenge. Uh, which pretty much is a pre-season game for the NRL club, uh, where it's usually the Super League clubs three rounds into their next season. So Leeds, oh, sorry, Leeds, St. Helens beat Catalans in the Super League grand final for Super um, for St. Helens' second championship in a row. However, Penrith have said there has been no conversation about the game so far, and they will, at this stage, will not be going to the UK um, due to COVID concerns, obviously and would welcome St. Helens in making the trip out to Australia. They would play it here, and obviously they'd fill out Bluebet Stadium. Um, but at this stage, Ryan Fletcher, the CEO of Penrith, has said that they will not be making the trip over for the World Club Challenge um, as it stands. And basically pointing at UK being one of the countries that have lived with COVID for the longest period of time, their vaccination rate's approximately 80%. By the time this game came around, Australia would be at approximately 95% stage, uh, which is obviously much higher. Um, the argument against this uh, that the Super League and Great Britain Rugby League are putting up, if you haven't been paying attention, there has been a hell of a lot of international rugby union being staged in the UK at the moment. It's been absolutely brilliant to watch. And... England versus Tonga at Twickenham in front of 80,000 people. Australia's played three games over there against Wales, Scotland and England in all three countries. So games are... Yeah, lost them all. But you've had New Zealand's been there, South Africa, like all the peak rugby union teams have all gone through an entire series in the UK and showed that it could be done. And no offence to Penrith, um, but... These are much bigger organisations, uh, much larger fan bases, and they were getting it done. So I'm sure that they're going to try and apply some pressure. Um, but it does come down to the club in the end and their decision whether to go or not. The only other time the UK team has come to Australia, if you remember, was when Leeds visited in 2018 and was thrashed 38-4 against Melbourne. 
So what yeah, what I do good, find, it would be good to yeah. see the club chums come over here and uh, see the Super Rugby uh, Super um, English Rugby League team come over here. That'd be good. I'd definitely go to watch it. But yeah, the union definitely shows that you can easily travel over there and play international sport. Yes, and it's Cricket's of no cost. Yeah, 100%. Cricket's done it as well. And it's of no cost to Penrith. The hosting club uh, foots the bill, basically. So the trip, according to the Daily Telegraph, costs up to 500k with regards to airfares, accommodation, all that sort of stuff. You'd, you'd assume a little bit more with regard to COVID regulations and quarantine, all that sort of stuff as well. So I'm hoping it goes ahead. I'm hoping both clubs find a way to get it to happen. I think it's more than a gimmick. I really do enjoy watching it. I prefer it over there uh, and seeing the atmosphere and the intensity that the fans bring that we just don't see here for club games yeah. uh, with all due respect. So, yeah, I'm hoping it goes no, ahead. That's true. Um, we're going to stay in England just for this. This is a feel-good story. So for those who have followed International Rugby League for a while, you'll know of Rob Burrow, uh, the tiny little halfback who played for Leeds Rhinos. He was diagnosed with motor neurons disease oh, a number of years ago now. And one of his ex-teammates, Kevin Sinfield, who was captain of Leeds and rugby league legend for England and Leeds, has done a whole bunch of fundraising activities for his little mate, uh, Last year, he ran, I believe, seven marathons. I'm um, having a look. Let's talk, I'll talk about the one he did uh, recently. So he set off at 8.40 a.m. Monday. Uh, this is England time, so yeah, Tuesday. Ran 101 miles to Leeds. He set off from Leicester, ran to Leeds within 24 hours to complete the extra mile challenge. So the challenge obviously usually is running hundred miles in 24 hours. He did the 101 miles. So obviously, obviously he couldn't sleep. Um, to put it into kilometers perspective, hundred miles, 160 kilometers. Um, you're running within a 24 hour period. So it was split into seven kilometer sections with each stanza need to be completed within an hour. So, you're keeping up a fair pace in, in all honesty. Um, 7Ks in an hour. I did a 10K run once and I did it in 50 minutes. So it's three <laughs> extra Ks and I did it in 10 minutes less, but that was only a once. I can't even imagine trying to do that for 24 hours to get your 160. Uh, it's crazy. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. And basically, the he said the inspiration is pushing his body to the limit, seeing what his young mate, his, young, his little mate's gone through. And he said, if he can get through that, I can get through this. And that run by itself raised $3 million uh, with donations continuing to come in. So obviously using his status in rugby well league, yeah, it, it's amazing. And Rob Burrow, his wife and his family have really, they've been quite public with this story and, and, really showcase the impact motor neurons disease has on people and we've seen that with Carl Webb and what it's doing to him at the moment um it's a horrible horrible thing so this is just one of the small feel-good stories that can come out of it and if you 
want to donate, you can. You can jump on through the Leeds Rhinos uh, website and donate through there for this and incredible effort by Kevin Simfield. So just want to give him a uh, shout out there. Oh, yeah, so I'm trying to find, yeah, last year did something like seven marathons in seven days. It was crazy. It borrows this 165 centimetres and was the smallest player in Super League. History. Yes. 165 centimetres. That is tiny. I'm 171. And played almost 500 games for lead Rhinos and eight premierships. Yeah. And he played against so Australia. Be, I couldn't never, believe it when I watched him go on. So never, be, never be told you're too small. Oh, 100%. Smaller Look, than Alfie Langer. <laughs> same thing was happened to Thurston, wasn't it? That was the first thing Broncos said to him. You're too yeah. small. All right. So this silly season of NRL player transfers, um, this will be music to pretty much everyone's ears. Um, the NRL has to be the only professional sports league in the world that allows players to sign for another club while still play a season at their own club, right? It's like you just Sign say that and it's, onwards. it's like, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a Brisbane Broncos player. Oh yeah. But 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 I'm actually playing for the Raiders this year. So you're a Canberra player. Well, technically for this year, but I've already signed for the Broncos, so technically I'm their player as well, starting on that yeah, day. He's still a mate. He's still a, yeah. Yeah. It's just I, they have every right to chase on for their future and their security. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. So all after November one, and I don't, having an extra, uh, I guess the buzz of an extra team as well is, and them trying to sign people this far out is yes. also driving other people to sign this far out. Yeah, it's also driving some prices up and contracts to be some contracts to be longer. So throwing that new club in is creating a little bit more whirlwind in the. Uh, in their free agency at the moment, which is pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, it's the the only person or the only people that 100% are suited by this system right now are the player agents because they get a huge bang for their buck and are pretty much taking on money ahead of time. And the more players they can get through in this time period, the better for them. For some players, it works out. But for other players who are on the rise, they can outplay their contracts two years in because they've still used up one of their development years at the club they're still at. So they may have signed for this new club at 700K and that extra development year at their previous club could have actually bumped their value up and they're already locked into a deal. It can also go the other way, obviously, where a player's form deteriorates and then the club is stuck with that contract. So, yeah. Um, Blandy's is only signed that, 12 months in advance. So, but a lot can happen in 12 months, like an ACL can yeah, happen in 12 months. And we've seen some players come back from injuries and, like, look at Ryan James. That's just the first example that popped into my head. Um, it's the first season he's had back without injury and he was a shell of what he used to be. So, I was even going to say, yeah, Josh Hodgson, like, Last year, yeah, Josh Hodgs, hundred percent. It was, yeah, you know, geez, I'd be paying heat for him. But then after this year, it's a uh, big question marks. Well, it's probably more to do with the, the Raiders situation this year, but it's it's still a big, um, a good example of that. Yes. So Vlandy's has had a balanced approach. He said at the moment it's not the right balance, and he can understand both sides. 
we as fans have to accept that loyalty is less and less and less a concern for players. It's still there for some and some will take less based on the club or the coach. But we also understand that to players have a finite career. I think I'm saying finite, right? Yes. Yeah. And rugby league players. Finite. Finite. There we go. Thank you. Don't make a lot of money. And we see that it was 600K a year, 400K a year. It, it, it seems like a lot compared to the average Australian, but compared to sports stars and athletes around the world in the top leagues in their countries, it's very little money. And 600K over three years is great. But if you get a season-ending, a career-ending injury, you're then going into a line of work where you're getting paid a tenth of that or an eighth of that or whatever for the rest of your life. But you're doing that with a body that's more banged up than 90% of us will even experience in our entire lifetime. Um, so they've got to make as much money as they can in the short period of time that they get to play. That makes sense. And with the situation where it is now, player agents get a year and a half if they want to use all their time in order to bump the money up for their player. Um, because the player's under no rights or no, no, no obligation, sorry, to sign for an entire year once that November 1 deadline comes along um, from the previous season. So they can then pet play once one person signs, like, oh, yeah, well, he signed for this. My guy's worth more than this because of this and this and this. And you've got so long to work and drive clubs down and the agents have the power not the clubs and it really should be the other way around um yeah, it depends i guess it depends um you know what positions are on the market um like at the moment there's no good halves on the market yeah the, dummy the two biggest the two biggest property is dummy half you got brand smith and reed barney yeah so they're the two biggest people off contract and that's what everyone uh yeah, their price is getting driven up. So oh, 100%. So we've talked about a transfer window. Now that has been floated to the players in the past and there's mixed reviews coming back from that. However, so what we do know is the next collective bargaining agreement uh, is going to be signed off in the next 12 months because it runs through to the end of the 2022 season. So this is definitely one of the things that's going to be high on the agenda. So that's good news. So at this stage, I think any change has to be a better change just because of how poor the system is now. Um, anyway. so what's the window going to look like? Because at the moment it's after November the 1st, but there's no... No, no, date. they were just saying that a transfer window has been talked about in the past by the RLPA and there was mixed reviews on it back from players. Um, so it didn't really give much more information about what that window would look like. Um, I've talked about on the pod before, I would love to see a transfer period, say, mid-season. And so during around, like having... Origin. A two, yeah, having like a two-week period in the middle of the season where there's a transfer window and as well as state of origin, as well as your international matches and clubs that are like wanting to gear up for the second half of the season for finals, et cetera, et cetera, can either trade sign players they're going to aid their team in the run home and teams that are already looking out of the finals might give up say 
higher end talent that's in the last couple of years of their contract or last year of their contract in order to pick up some promising young players back from the teams that probably aren't going to be playing that young talent. Um, I think that could work a bunch of different ways. And then having the full no, sign, sign period after a season. Yeah, I know mine's very, um, very out there for Australian, like general Australian sports fans. Um, and it would take a lot of finesse in order for it to work in, in how our sport works and how our season works. Um, but for overseas sports, it's one of the most exciting times as a fan, whether you're a good team or a poor team, because you know something's going to happen uh, either way. It's very rare. It's your very high level players moving, but yeah. That was one of the ideas I threw. I don't ever see it happening, but anyway. Um, whatever they come up with is going to be better than what we have now. Um, another thing they'll be talking about this season, the NRLPA has gone to the NRL uh, with the hope of having the league alter their fine system, their fines system, I should say. Um, so this is Daily Cherry Evans, Wade Graham, and Kurt Catewell. Uh, are looking to persuade the league to adjust the judiciary code as it could financially burden the lower paid players. Now, just to put this in, um, give you a ballpark here. These are the penalties looking around the $1,500 to $2,250 mark. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot as a one-off, and it probably isn't for these guys, but in the 2021 campaign, the NRL gave out 187 of these fines, which is a grade one sanction. The previous year, they gave out 39. So that's a wow. dramatic. That shows your crackdown, doesn't it? That's yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of things getting penalised that shouldn't have been penalties. A lot of things have got put in a report that shouldn't have been put in a report. Yeah, hundred so percent. Yeah. And the players so literally pay for it. To, yeah. That's the NRL bringing rules to cover other rules and bringing in rules halfway through a season. And yeah, the players are the ones that uh, are paying for it. Yeah. Yes. And that's exactly what they said here. The penalizing high contact in intentional incidents was a factor in the major increase in suspensions. And we talked during last season that they have to have, like, there's never going to be uh, something in writing, but you've got to use common sense to be able to differentiate between incidental, accidental, and forceful contact. Because yes. players getting charged for incidental or accidental contact is ridiculous. Give a penalty on the yes. field, but don't be charging for someone if they've run backwards, tripped over, and hit a guy in the jaw with their hand. Like, it's ridiculous. The other thing the players are very keen on ensuring the NRL doesn't do is any other on-field rule changes uh, just, just based on the fact that there's been so many in the last two seasons that the players have yep. constantly had to change and adapt. And it's gotten to the point where, and the players have agreed, it's deterred the quality of the match. It could be faster, that's great, but the actual quality of the games, and I agree with this, has dropped. Um, yep. You do let, you have you don't have to do as much to be rewarded with points. It's easier to score, which means more of your average players are scoring more points. Um, which, where more points is good, 
it kind of devalues those special players and what they can do. So having to do less of that because your standard players are looking better than they are, uh, I think. That's just my opinion. And they're getting paid as much in, in a fair few areas, which we'll see in a bit later on. Bill Army Kickout is an example of that. Um, we'll get to that. All right. Uh, Melbourne Storm have signed an extension with their Q Cup feeder team, Brisbane Tigers, through the end of 2024. And this goes along with their extension with their other feeder club of the Sunshine Coast Falcons till the end of 2024. They'll also shut the door on the Dolphins, try to utilise the Falcons as their feeder club um, till at least 2025. So this is big news for both the Storm and the Brisbane Tigers. And the Storm have also mm -hmm. announced that they'll be taking five of the Tigers players into pre-season camp uh, well, this preseason, which is huge. That's Tony Pello, Wes Lolo, Bako Salem, Francis Talau, and Darius Farmer. So that's they've already had a partnership for the past 11 seasons and they're extended for a further three. So that's good news for both clubs there. Yep. Um, now we've got what one, two. Yeah, probably pretty much two, two more bigger stories. So did you see Lottie DeKiri's opinion on the Dolphins' name and no, their decision not to not have the gym? Drew Gaffley, go on. So this only came... I only I'm saw this to see what, he, uh, to what he says, though. I, I love it. I love it. It's too late, I think, uh, because if the Dolphins went to this now... They kind of they've cut their own legs out by saying we're not going to go back on our decision, yada yada yada. But I think what Takiri's come up with is doesn't just suit the Dolphins, but is highly powerful. And a team that first takes the plunge to do so is going to be commended. He said he'd like to see the Dolphins adopt the name of the indigenous owners and traditional custodians of the land in Redcliffe. Now this isn't going to work everywhere because the name obviously has to flow. Um, it's just part of a business. So the area that Redcliffe's in is the same area that I'm in, which is Gubby Gubby, or sometimes pronounced mm. Cubby Cubby. So it'd be the Gubby Gubby Dolphins, which I think sounds brilliant. And in this case, it'd really work. Uh, but he's looked at it more it as represent, a... It does represent more... Than just Redcliffe because yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Most Gabby Gabby um, land is a huge. big, big. It's larger. Uh, yeah, it's from Redcliffe to Gympie, pretty much. And for those who don't know that, um, I live pretty much smack in the middle of both, and it's a fifty-minute drive each way. So it's a yeah. it's a fair, and that's going on a hundred k highway. So when you think the Aboriginal people of the time that entire land was theirs and they'd cover it by foot that's crazy to think of how big that is so he, he's looked at it more as a monica uh a monica for a team and maybe as a nickname for the for the dolphins but how huge would it be for a club an expansion club or a club looking to change their name to adopt the traditional custodians of the land uh their tribal name before the, the massive club logo. Australian sport. yeah there's just the that's massive. 
and the the difference that it have like to what's happened in America the last few years, where you had the Washington Redskins in the NFL, they've had to change their name to literally the Washington Football Team. They had to get rid of the Redskins because of the they uh, couldn't come up with anything else. They literally couldn't, and um, and then they kind of decide they like it, so they've kept it for an extra season before they. I think they're going to have another vote on the new name. Uh, the Cleveland Indians have gone to Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks are under pressure to change their logo and name. So all of the Native American uh, uses, basically, as sporting logos, etc., despite still having support of some Native American groups have been forced to change their names in light of how the world is and how it's changing. For a mm. club on the other side of the world in a different organisation to actually name their club based on um, the history of the people would be uh, pretty much the opposite. Yeah, Juxtaposition, I think is the word for it. Uh, huge. I, I really like it. I think it's a great idea. I don't see the Dolphins going back on it now, but the teams going forward. Um, There's just 18th team around the corner. The Bears. And Bears. <laughs> it gets brought up every off every off season. It's not going to be the Bears. Well, what they've changed, they've gotten rid of North Sydney out of their title because they're looking at representing regional they, New South Wales. So they half Coast. their games, yeah, half their games in North Sydney. And then every, there's six other regional areas that get two games each. So there's your other 12 games. So that's, that's, that's the first two years. Then every after that, every game will be in North Sydney. Most likely. But we'll see that. All right. There's enough teams in Sydney. There needs to be somewhere else. True. True, true, true. I'm with you on that one. All right. Go, sticking with the Dolphins. Bulldogs and you. Yeah, they can move. Callum Ponga has been the latest of the marquee players to sit down with the Dolphins and Coach Wayne Bennett and talked about contracts. Now, mm. looking at a lucrative offer in the vicinity of $1.4 million per season uh, starting 2023. Now, yeah, big money, uh, big money, but they've got – actually, they've got the same amount of money as everyone else. It's just – they haven't spent it yet. So this is going to be really interesting because you look at who the Dolphins have sat down with so far. They've sat down with Tino Fasimawale. He's re-signed with the Titans. They yep. sat down with, oh, my gosh, I'm having a break here now. Smith. But, yeah, here's an, um, Cam Munster who ended up saying no. Um, uh, looking at Christian Welch. Christian Welch. Storm. So everyone that they've, yeah, everyone that had come through has then gone and signed on with their club, that their existing club. Isaiah Papalihi wasn't in this headline market, but he did the same thing. So when do the Dolphins start to look at the next level of player down and will they panic spend in order to get someone there if the players continue to say no yeah so, that's, that's absolutely what they can't afford but you look at it like why would why would Pongo go there at the moment there's no one there he's got well who's going to be my halfback who's going to be my hooker who's going to be my 5'8 yes. to set me up Pongo's coming into the prime of his career 
yes, they lost Pierce. I don't really know what he's going to do at the Knights anyway, but Cheese, he's coming into he's probably one of his biggest paydays. He's going to have to take under the stat storm. Yeah. And probably under the stat if he wants to go to the Roosters. So his best plan deal would be the Dolphins. If he's mm-hmm. chasing premierships, though, I'd be going to the Roosters or stay out in the Melbourne Storm. So it's it's hard. You try and get that marquee signing to draw all that second wave talent, or you sign those second wave talent so the Pongers and that can go, okay, cool. I see you've you've signed all these good second, these decent second rowers. I see you signed decent people here. That looks like a good young team for me to jump in. 100%. Uh, they're, they're, trying it, they're, they're trying to get the marquee signings first, so the rest will follow. Yeah. And at the moment, it's struggling to sign, take that one, that first step. I think that first step will unlock multiple signings. Yeah. Whichever way they, they do, they do land that marquee player. Would you, would you put money on the Dolphins already having, say, three players signed or four players signed and then not making it known to the media yet because they're not the marquee sign and not wanting to put pressure on how those players perform the next year? I don't know. They, they announced that first signing. Um, yeah, that was like a, a non-even, a play. non-NRL player. Yeah, but I'm thinking, say they've got like um, Ryan they Madison's a the name that's yeah. been thrown out there. news with the marquee signing. Yeah. This is our first big signing, but they could still unveil that with Smith or Ponga. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. They're they're waiting for one of those two. Because if they miss out on Ponga, and we know Smith sat down with five teams, and say they miss out on both of these, do they then go, oh, by the way, we've actually got these three players already signed. So we have been doing stuff. what do they continue well, to hold think, out? And... You'd think they'd be chasing multiple people and obviously not just these two. They'd be trying to fill the... That'd have no, that's what I mean. Like, 30, they, want so, to, yeah. they want to make the announcement, these are our first five players headlined by Kalen Ponga, headlined by Brandon Smith. If you don't get that headline, do you still think they make a big deal of these are our first five players? Um, and everyone's like, that's great. So Ryan Madison's like, your best player and kind of you only get one chance at this hey this is our signing this is our marquee moment this is our first blah it's it's going to make it an even harder sell if they can't tie someone up yeah that's right if they have signed a few people then i probably think it would be a good idea so we've signed all these people and then other players can go yeah okay they have signed those people maybe maybe i will go there but at the moment if the longer they can't sign this marquee player, the longer they look like, like the, the Titans. Is, the buzz is sort of dying where cool Bennett's there, everyone let's go, get a few people there and get this team, this awesome team first yeah. year. They can't sign that. There's that yeah, excitement's starting to die down. Yeah. So I'd I'd probably would be if I have signed anyone, I'd be releasing that I have signed them and try and get that buzz going and making people want to come yeah true maybe just release it without making it like this huge press release or anything uh press conference or anything like that just release it on the side like other clubs are doing um might yep. be the way to go because every time we see them in the headlines it's we almost got this person but we didn't quite get them all yeah, right they offered they offered tino six years yeah that's that's a massive contract so 
That's a lot of security. And he uh, said no because it. Titans are closer to a premiership, which was um good, yeah. a good endorsement of where the Titans are heading, at least behind the scenes. Um, That's right. Yeah. Talking about uh oh no, sorry, I was about to jump too far ahead then. Um COVID stuff. So good news for the Raiders in that looks like Josh Papali has let the club know that he'll be fully vaccinated before the 2022 season, uh, which is huge for them because he was obviously one of the players that was holding out. Um, so some good news there for Canberra, uh, which is good, good news, where we've seen Johnny Asiato and Nelson Mustafa Solomona definitely digging their heels in, which is their prerogative, and the clubs have made them aware of what the consequences could be. And Josh Alloway, or also known as Oshay Ole, has become the first NRL player to test po- positive. Oshay Ole. Huh? <laughs> to test positive to uh, COVID. It won't be any oh, disruption no. to the Seagulls because it'll just um, go into quarantine for two weeks. He received a positive test on Thursday, um, assuming last week, after falling ill earlier in the week and has been forced to postpone his December 10 boxing match with former Cronulla and New South Wales captain Paul Gallen. Um, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Horrible. That's the biggest downside here. Uh, Josh is fully vaccinated, and the club is working with the NRL to ensure he follows New South Wales health orders and NRL protocols over the coming weeks. So for all those people on social media that I've seen go, the vaccine doesn't work. He's taken two, he's had two vaccinations. He's still got it. Rah, rah, rah. Um, at no point has anyone in the know with intelligence and from the medical background said that the vaccine will stop you from getting COVID. It just right. dramatically decreases the chance of you getting it. And if you do get it, dramatically decreases the consequences of COVID-19. So you can still get it. You still have to follow the protocols, etc. However, due to Josh being fully vaccinated, we would assume that his recovery will be uh, quicker and there will be less or no ongoing health concerns for him. Um, being quite a fit uh, athlete will or should or may, sorry, help in his um, side as well. So, yeah. Yep. I'm actually surprised Change. it's taken this long, uh, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the NRL's done extremely well through the whole COVID. As you know, we've all given the administration wraps um, in the past. And being since two as it's two years now, this is the first test, first positive case, and it's in the off season. Yeah. Uh, it just shows how well it's been um, regimented through the all the NRL clubs and the NRL throughout the season. Then the previous off season of how well all these athletes have done. Yeah. And, and they don't deserve a wrap as well. Um, it's a shame the fight's not going to go ahead. It would have been interesting no, to see because it'll be hilarious. <laughs> Supposedly, it yeah. sold more PP um, pay per view than the Pacquiao Mayweather fight sold a few years back. I don't know if I'm to believe that, but <laughs> um, well, Gallon has been doing a lot of good stuff for Australian boxing. He's, he's bringing a lot of highlights to it and he's getting a lot better. Um, I hate and that I have to agree with that. Yes. And I hate and the fact I that 
And I hate the fact that boxing's had to get to this stage where That's... an XNRL player is having to promote it. It I I remember growing up. A lot of people didn't even know who Gallon was fighting uh, yeah. on the last one. And he was a well known it was a well known boxer. Yeah. But Peter Blandis doesn't know who he's fighting this time. <laughs> got brought to the sport because of Gallon. And Gallon yeah. does a lot of promotion. He talks a lot of shit just to try and get, you know, he's trying to get a good payday. So the more people that watch, the better it is for him. That's better well, look for at, Australian boxing. People get to watch it. All the shit he threw as a when he was a rugby league player and look how many New South Wales fans he got to watch them for like eight years. Um, <laughs> despite their performances. There you go, Jared, while you're not here. Um, you the know, Seagulls he's... have said that Oshay Alley. Um, has not been in any contact with any teammates because he's been training for his boxing bout. And so it's not going to disrupt Manly's preseason training uh, at all when it uh, kicks off in earnest. All right. So a couple of rumours before we go to definite signings. I'm pretty excited about this one. I never thought I'd say this about Kevin Nagama, but he's been on fire in the Super League mm. since he's been over there. And it looks as though... We knew his return to the NRL. Those rumours were pretty strong. We just didn't know where. And it looks as though he's going to be linking up with the Sydney Roosters. And I've got to say, this is a fit for both sides. He, from what I saw of him over there and the games of him that I watched, he was playing for St. Helens. So a pressure club, a high pressure club in the Super League. And we know the Super League's not the same quality. But their top teams on their day are as good as our, I'd say, mid, like your, your, your five to eight sort of teams, I'd say, with regards to consist- consistency and being that high for a whole season. Nagama was one of the go-to men in that St. Helens team that won the premiership, and he was the man of the match in the premiership. He and he's, two tries in the premiership, didn't he? Yes. I, I remember him playing for West Tigers mainly, and you never put him in your fantasy side. You know he'd score you two tries, then go four weeks without touching the ball and miss like three tackles. But watching him over in the Super League, much fewer mistakes. He's getting himself involved a lot more and putting himself in a position to succeed as opposed to um, hoping to succeed. Like, I hope the ball comes my way because I'm in space. He's actually getting involved a lot more now. It shows maturity to his game. And I think going into a Rooster squad uh, opposite Joseph Manu is going to be a really good landing spot for him. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's quick as well. Yeah. And everyone loves his haircut. Yeah. (laughs) And he played 65 matches in three years for St. Helens, so over 20 games a year on average. Uh, which is good, which means he hasn't That's really missed. No oh, sorry. I forgot about Momorowski. Yeah, they picked up Momorowski as well. Lost to Kivalu, but he was sort of part-time anyways. You look at that back lot. So you're going to have... Tupo well, and... He's gonna, it looks like he's going to play on the wing, isn't it? Because yeah, Daniel Tupo will be on one wing. you got Momorowski, Manu, Tedesco, and then you've also got Adam Kieran, Billy Smith, and Sawali. Jesus Christ. Yeah, where do you put... Swally paid all this money and he's played a couple of games. He's certainly he not team. Mor- and Manu in the centers. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, this one, this one is surprised me. And 
there was there was talks around Luciana Leilua uh, leaving the Tigers, which I didn't put a whole lot of stock in. Uh, honestly, because I, I see him as a different sort of personality to his brother. We don't hear much out of Luciano compared to BJ, who's now playing for, was it Featherstone in the second league in the UK? Yes, second division English team. Jeez, it's not even the championship, it's below that. So so supposedly Luciano Lelou is is reportedly set for an imminent release from the club. So this drops at 7.40 uh, Wednesday night and we're recording at 9 o'clock Wednesday night. So he's currently on contract with the club until the end of 2022. However, the Concord-based outfit are prepared to grant the 25 an immediate release. So he will not be playing for the West Tigers next year if this report is to go by. So he can take up a mega deal with the North Queensland Cowboys. A mega deal. So it's looking as though, well, he was asking for quite a lot and... I didn't know how much to put stock in it. It was two seasons ago where he did breakout year, but last year he really backed it up. It was one of the few shine lights for the Tigers. And we know that the Cowboys, the Cowboys went really hard for kick out to try and bring him back up there before kick out sign on with the Bulldogs. So they, they had money up their sleeve. It looks as though he'll be at the Cowboys on a three year deal worth around 700 K. So Tim Sheen's, at the West Tigers. I would not be paying 700000 per season for him. That's overs. Yes. So told the publication that it was a damn good offer. We knew the Cowboys were negotiating, Sheen said. It sounded like a damn good offer. They had money stashed away for kick out. The Tigers are set to release later on Thursday morning if reports are to be believed. Um, oh, man. How would you feel for the Tigers? You've just signed... Isaiah Papalihi, and you would have been picturing him on one side and Leilua on the other side like that. Yeah. That would have been sick. That's, that's a much better uh, back row pairing. They still got Gardner there. Well, that's the they thing. Just, um, Luke Gardner is going to be re-signed. the leader now. Well, they just re-signed Twile. Um, yeah. And Mick Cayley's signed for the Great buy. It wouldn't have, have broke the bank either, Twile. But I'm pretty sure Luke Garner's, yeah, he's off contract at the end he's, of 2022. He's off contract, isn't he? Yeah. I and I know. He might be leaving, so. Yeah, I know Manly's been looking around for him. And I'd be very happy to have Garner yeah. at the Sea Eagles. And that was reported, uh, what was that, September this year? Uh, it was reported that Sea Eagles were quite interested in Garner and we're keeping tabs on him. So. They picked up Peachy. So they're putting Peachy at lock. Yeah, you'd assume so. And then Garner on one side and the other side's going to be... They've lost Cheekam. That's the year after next. Probably he's the year after next as well. So Yeah. So you've got the immediate release. you got a hole straight away. We talked about, or Jared and I talked about for a year or so, how good the young crop of forwards are at the Tigers and they're kind of slipping away. Uh, For the Cowboys, they've got a a solid group of young players. players to go either. No, but they, they've had a good, solid group of young forwards. Tom Gilbert, um, Mitch Dunn, um, Ruben Cotter, who's re-signed. Um, who's the other young fellow? One with a huge nose. Oh, bloody hell, I can't remember. I have to bring up the squad. They had a whole bunch of those, but no strike forward outside of Tamalolo when he was on form and just wreaking havoc. They didn't have 
someone they could just throw the ball to and could create a try with some footwork and some hard running. If they pick up Leilua, they'll have that. And if they can somehow continue to develop Helium Lukey uh, into a strike forward, they could have a pretty decent edge pairing uh, to go with Tamalolo at the back and just let him play his lock if <sighs> freaking Peyton will let him do it. Um, all righty. Now, the Bulldogs and Viliami kick out. So let's talk about how this all came about. Um, we know that Penrith had put forward an offer to kick out. We knew that yep. Kikau hadn't signed on with it yet and he was going to be talking with other clubs, et cetera, et cetera. And then a photo was leaked of Kikau with Trent Barrett, the Bulldogs coach, and Phil Gould, the football head of director of football at Canterbury, all in Canterbury gear, posing for a photo together at Canterbury headquarters, presumably. And yep. that photo was leaked to the media. So... Well, it's just leaked, sorry, online, not to the media, but leaked. Now, a few things at play here. Gus Gould said that when he took the role at the Warriors and then the Bulldogs, there wouldn't be a drive to take Penrith players away because he was there for so long and brought so many of the players there and developed them through the system and all that sort of stuff. So this wasn't a good look in the fact that Gould was in the picture with Kickout, despite saying he wasn't going to do that. He then had to come out and say, sorry. He made it clear well, that he was going to... Yeah. Naden's gone there. So he, <laughs> he made it clear that he was going to be talking to Penrith at some point about it. To be fair, though, Burton was already there before Gould was there from memory. Naden may have come afterwards. Um, well, Naden was unwanted. Yeah, as true. Well. So that was embarrassing to say. That, two, this looks so bad on the Bulldogs uh, when we know that players are allowed to talk with each club and all that so we know all that's there but there is still some unwritten laws and one of them is leaking something like this without an official statement being made and without the other club that the players coming from even knowing about it like that's just poor form yeah that's by whoever leaked it um, yes kick out kick out is probably you know probably shouldn't have got in Shouldn't have got a photo in the gear, but yeah. Oh, but they got, they do all that. They you do got all Phil, that behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, they do the signing. They do the signing. Take a photo. Yeah, but you got Phil Good saying, "Put this shirt on. Let's get a photo." He's not going to say no. No, and, that, and what that'll be for that photo would have been used for the press release in three weeks' time, in, in four weeks' time, yeah, that's right. whenever the two clubs had sat down and said, "Look, we've nutted this out. Do you, how are we going to release this? Are we going to do it at the same time, right or right?" That's safe. You don't want kick out randomly going in there to do a photo shoot after it's occurred because then fans will be going, oh, his head's already with them because he's leaving our club to go do a photo shoot and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's come out that the employee who did this was a league's club executive on $200,000 a year who had access to the CCTV footage through a mobile phone app. They then screenshotted the moment where the three of them were standing next to each other and sent it to a mate. And it's pretty much gone from there that uh, let's say his mate has then passed it on as mates do. And it can eventually got uh, leaked out. 
Now, it got to a point where I even got some light booze at Penrith's Grand Final Parade and Jerome Luai doing that cheeky little up the doggies sort of thing to him on the bus. Whew, not a good look. And Not a good look from the Bulldogs at all. No. So that, player, that executive has since resigned uh, before he was pushed, we'll say. Now, looking at the contract itself... It's <laughs> Sorry? It's odd that as part of the story, the executive's salary is in there. Like, while no one would know that except for the, the club and the executive, it's a private contract. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's just a random stat in there. It's actually kind of ironic because there's a lot of people still asking that players' contracts should be made public, yet we're getting the, the executive's contract shown yeah. um, despite <laughs> not even knowing half the players' contracts. That. What's that got to do Four blokes just. I oh, know. He's just like, oh, fuck, what a dumb mistake. I'm out. See you, boys. I'm gone. So that's hilarious. Embarrassing, but hilarious at the same time. So the contract itself, and of course, I've just exited out of that screen because I thought we'd finished with that article. Um, $800,000, wasn't it? Over. Help me out here. Roughly Karen. about that, I guess. Four years. Four years, I think it was. I'm trying to find. Sorry, just found it then. Yeah, eight hundred thousand per season over four years is the rough figures that have been released so far. So you look at well, yeah, three point yeah. two mil over four years. That I'm talking about Luciano like Lua being overpaid. Holy damn! Yeah, I'm not a massive fan. <laughs> like, I, mean, I know we've we've had towards the end of the. Towards the end of the season, he definitely showed he could be a more consistent player and do those one percent efforts like he did in a couple of those try savers in the yes in the uh, semi-final the finals. That's what you want to see from your you know from your marquee signings. But they also have to you know, obviously balance the cat because they got him and Pangai Junior, two very similar players, X Factor explosive oh players, and yeah. they've signed every single back that was off contract. I think yeah. Um, They've even, and they've bought in a few forwards. So they haven't spent any money on the halves, which is where they desperately need them. We've got no hooker. Yeah. 5'8. Hard working players. Yeah, and you're half. So unless they're signing all these other people so then they can go Flanagan, here's your second crack. And you don't have to have everything on your shoulders because there's all these players around you now. Mm -hmm. Now, but, I, yeah. I, I found myself torn with this argument because I can get in trouble of arguing against myself here. And I do like a good argument, so it's not a good position to put myself in. On one hand, you can't win a professional sporting competition without elite talent. And yeah. sourcing elite talent and getting them to commit to your club is the hardest thing to do in sport. Now... When Kickout is on his day, he's an elite talent. He's one of those rare players who has size and speed, um, can beat people with strength by running over them, can step around them, can palm them. We've seen players like this in the past. Sorry? Yeah, he's got the, he's got the ball skills, can flip pass, he'll pass. Yes. He's got all that sort of stuff. And getting a player like that, like, um, Titans have David Fafida now. Uh, Broncos have a Payne Haas. Um, 
Manly has a Tom Trebojevic. Uh, Roosters have lots. Now, once you have that talent at your club, you've ticked a huge box and you need that box ticks if you want to win a premiership. Where clubs fall into trouble is when they go all out to get that talent at the expense of everything else. And there's a few ways that that happens in that they overpay to get that talent there. And that's fine if the rest of your contracts are reasonable in length and reasonable in figure. Now, when when these contracts come out, if the rest of the Bulldogs players that they've signed, like your Adokar and your Matt Burton and every other single player come in, if all those contracts are reasonably priced or even below market value, I've got nothing against this contract whatsoever. Because if you've got all those players and then you've got this extra cash here to spend on this, do it. Yeah. Would be hard to get Adokar Adokar when they would have paid for Mm. Dufty. uh, Dufty, they would have got cheap. Naeem, they got cheap. Signing. Uh, Burton, they would have... I think and in the end, um, they'll be paying unders for Burton based on what he'll bring. But in the first year or so, it's going to be yeah, in the long dicey. Run. Um, if, however, yeah, it comes out 2022, 2023, and Bulldogs are smack bang against the salary cap and they've got no wiggle room, and like Kieran said, they still don't have first-grade halves and they don't have a first-grade hooker, then they've royally fucked up and they've put themselves in the position where they were before they got all this salary cap drama again. Yeah. The it's second... Balancing the cap's a fine art and trying to make sure everyone's not off contract at the same time. Yes. So you, you don't have you know, potential players leaving. Um, yeah. And we've looked at Manly in the past paying a million dollars to basically three different players, um, taking up a third of the salary cap. Over time, they've held up their end of the bargain because they've been consistent with their elite talent. Um, Trebojevic doesn't need any any more hype. Cherry Evans had a very good year. Um, Jake Trebojevic has been the disappointing one of the three, and then he rounded into some form. But the issue I'd have, or the problem, I, the concern, sorry, I'd have with Kikau is how often is he going to bring that talent? is Trent Barrett the right coach to get that talent out of him on a consistent basis? And is he going to be able to progress his game, which is hard to do at his age? He's 26 or 27 already. Um, And we did the comparison with him against David Fafita last year in Fafita being on 1.3 mil or whatever. Titans had a hell of a lot of money to spend and we knew that and they didn't have the elite talent there. But what they're backing with Fafita is progression because he's only 21 so he's got five nrl seasons worth of growth still to occur um if you can and only signed sign him on a two-year contract as well yes so plan with the is after next year when he goes to re-sign for the year after you go there's your payday you haven't been performing if you want to stay you love this club stay here for 800k yeah my I, I wouldn't be another 1.2 so and but he also got you know, he got Tino there. Moe's re-signed. Mm-hmm. That's there's, another good yeah, point. There's also, you know, a good hype that he can bring. He's brought those players. Now Tino signed first um, through the 26. So you can, yeah, those players can pay back the club in other ways, not just on themselves. Yeah. 
And hopefully other players, yeah, to keep that premiership team together, people are going to have to take unders. 100%. The Broncos did it. The Broncos did it for a long time. Melbourne did Uh, it. Manly did it. The Melbourne did it. The Roosters have done it. Um, When corner, they all got together that we're going to have to take unders to keep this good team together. Minicello and all that, and they did it, and then they were powerhouse for that set that time. So, you know, these these one off uh, freaks like um, Kick Out and Feeder and that they are going to go see that payday, I guess. But there is going to be a time where they're going to have to you know, want to keep that good team together. Yeah, and, and yeah, like if you want a team for superstars, that is the thing that I thought was really funny when I read one of these articles was one of the things that got kick out across the line was his very close relationship to Trent Barrett. I was like, if the relationship meant that much, why are they still paying 800 K? Cause I don't know how many other clubs were looking at 800 K for four years. I know dragons were only prepared to go for three. So if that relationship meant that much, um, I'd be yeah, hoping for hundred K less than what other clubs were paying. Um, yeah, that sort of thing. So yeah. I don't know this could work different ways. Would I kick out my club? Yes, I would love to have a player like him at my club. Um, I've got a Josh Suster who I'm hoping will be the same sort of impact of that player. And he's got a lot of things in his game he needs to work out, but he's gonna he has showcased elite talent. Um, I don't want to be paying Schuster 800k anytime soon. Um, I wouldn't be wanting kick out on at my club on 800k unless all those other uh factors were all balanced out the best example i could use would be a player like uh either anthony watmo or steve maddai uh on their day one of the best in the league in their position consistency (laughs) were both of their concerns like watmo could have a brain fart Uh, almost every time he got the ball i know (laughs) He could give away six penalties a game, but he could also run for 180 metres and break six tackles because he was just a nugget with the speed of the centre. And then Steve Maddow, I could had such good hands and such good footwork, but defensively, he'd get himself in such poor positions when he tried to line up a shot that if he missed that, he was giving up a two-on-one almost every time. And you're watching it going, I love you so much, but God damn, just read the play. Um <laughs> But would I want Madai paid at the same level as the top centers in the game, like Greg Inglis at the time? Hell no, because he's not the same league. He was a, he was one of my favorite Eagles ever, but consistency yeah. was never his uh, strong suit. So that's no, it's all yeah, it's all about balancing the cap and where you put their money. And obviously, they're putting money in the backs and some forwards and trying to save money on the halves and the hooker, which is. Odd. Not, when you look yeah. at the top four last year, the best, you know, the two best halfbacks going against each other in grand final. Mm-hmm. Both had good hookers, both getting great service. Uh, Jerome Hughes is up there. It's one of the best uh, halves in the game. Yeah. Cherry yeah. Evans, Reynolds, Hughes. Cherry Evans. Leary. Yep. The four best go. halfbacks. And the top four. Yeah. And, and all of them got, you know, we just won't bring Shane Perry into the mix. He had a good one. <laughs> get, get the rest of the team. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, right. obviously, Panthers are re-signed Dylan Edwards, but he's not going to be on Bitcoin, so they're choosing to spend their money yep, where it matters. 
All righty. Um, let's go signs that have ha have occurred. We mentioned Ruben Cotter's name earlier. Uh, he, there was a fair bit of interest for Ruben, and I was impressed with his play last season as well. He's re-signed with the Cowboys through the end of 2025. He is... I, I, the word, though, I think of tenacious with him. He just gets into everything. He's aggressive without being stupid. He's a safe player, and his impact is felt. I think it's a really good signing, a re-signing for the Cowboys. Um, at some point, they're going to lose some of their younger forwards. Uh, they lost William and Greg to Parramatta last season. Uh, Cotter's one of the ones they had to hold on to, and yeah, they did absolutely. a good job. We mentioned Tino, he signed, re-signed with Titans through the end of 2026. Remember, yes. he's, this kid, he's only 21. He's played 49 NRL games, so one off a half century, and already six games for the Maroons. At the age of 21, he's played at the top level as a prop, as a lock, as a second rower, and as an interchange player. I'm hoping that this yep. year at the Titans, he really just is allowed to focus on one of those sorry one of those positions where would you yeah. where do you most want to see him play as a as a titans member i want to see him play at lock um i know there was a fair bit of i guess with peachy there there was a bit of fair bit of chopping and changing depending on other injuries and whatnot and he was always the first one to move out of that position mm. um i just don't want him taking that first hit up off the set you know for kickoff or something like yeah. that uh, it's good to see Jared Wallace running that back or Moe or um, um, Joel Leaf and then getting the quick play of the ball and then getting Tino hitting that hard run and run, you know, play two or three yeah. and then setting up to help shift it out the back to Sexton or something like that. So I think that's where he played the best. He's got more impact on the game there. Um, he did. He won our player of the year last year in the club. He's only young. He's got a massive future. Uh, Holbrook said he sees him as a future captain of the club. Um, and he got offered a deal from Bennett for six years at a good sum. So the fact that he's staying and signing on with Titans is a massive... Yeah, massive um, endorsement. It's a massive show. Yeah, it's great. So I'm really happy with that signing. Yeah, would be too. Uh, Penrith has signed former Bulldogs forward the most boring name in the comp, Chris Smith, for the 2022 <laughs> season. Uh, just a one-year deal. He's played 30 games across four seasons uh, at Canterbury, although he did make his debut for Penrith in 2015. Uh, Anari Tawala, who I was quite impressed with over the whole season at Newcastle, has extended his contract through the end of 2023. Um, another player I'm hoping gets a consistent run in a consistent black back line uh, for this upcoming season. Um, Alex Twal has re-signed for the Tigers on a two-year contract. Uh, Clint Gutherson has signed a new deal with the Eels through the end of 2025 season. Yeah, finally that went on for a bit. Yes, so that's big for the Eels, obviously, and yeah. hopefully a catalyst uh, for Eels supporters that a few more of their players sign on we'll uh, they've yeah, already absolutely. lost Papalihi um, Reed Marnie's name's still up in the air as a possible and player so Madison, so Madison has been yeah, he's, you know, he's the leader of the club um, Gutherson there's no one better on the market that had to keep him otherwise yeah. it could have gone downhill fast at the Parramatta and I would have been if you lost him I'd definitely be worrying because it probably would be people going because Gutho he's you know he's not the flashiest fullback but 
I think you've seen in the last couple of years, he's a great captain. There's no denying that. He's a great leader of the club. He won't know what man. We know players love him. Yeah, Yeah, no, he's he's played 134 games, scored 53 tries since arriving at the Eels in 2016 from Manly. And speaking of Manly, they've re-signed Carl Lawton till the end of 2024. Uh, I, I think this is a story of you take a chance and you work hard and show what you can do and you get rewarded. So for those that yeah. remember, Manly signed Carl Lawton like as an emergency because they had no dummy half. Uh, they had Danny Levi. They had Lachlan Croker. It wasn't looking real good. I was like, we need to sign someone. And they signed Carl Lawton coming off two ACLs in the Warriors and couldn't crack their side consistently. He came off the bench. He ended up playing starting second row. And was really good, really solid, defensively sound, um, had a ball-playing ability from dummy half days. Um, he did have one of his worst games in the finals. Uh, when I, we, I really think we needed to start Croker. But anyway, I'm, I'm really happy for him. I'm happy to see him there. I hope he's not on too much money for my club's sake. But anything he's, he is on is well-earned. So good on you, Carl. And Dylan Walker has also re-signed for, on a one-year deal uh, for Manly. I was hoping, honestly, it was going to be at least two, but there seemed to be some sticking points why it's not longer. Um, he was very good off the bench. I'm happy for he that. He was very good. He had a great year. He um, really did. Last year, after having a quiet year the year before. So 100%. It's, it's good on him getting a, another, another crack. Probably be... Be off the interchange again, I dare say. I uh, hope not. Um, You'd probably like him to take a centre spot. Good news, Joe. I would have loved for him and Sully to be the centre. <laughs> God damn. God oh, damn. No, better. How good is that? <laughs> oh. oh, my God. I still can't get over that. Anyway. Uh, and Warriors have consigned, confirmed the signs of Sharks playmaker Luke Metcalf from 2023. So Metcalf... Came onto the scene at the nine tournament for Manly in 2020 before going to Cronulla. Made his debut in round 20. Um, and now, yeah, it looks as though he's found some security at the Warriors, which is uh, good news for him. He's a very talented young man. Um, haven't seen enough of him at the top level to see how much that talent's going to translate. But hopefully we'll see more for Cronulla this year in some capacity. Won't be in the starting role with... Um, Moylan and Nico Hines, but uh, good on him and good on the Warriors. Now, the last signing, let's circle back to the Titans. Uh, Steph, Can- Steph Hancock um, only needed to hint to Titans coach Jamie Feeney that she was struggling without a foot in her hand to soon find an NRLW contract in front of her eyes. So Steph Hancock is an absolute legend of the NRLW, absolute rugby league legend. Retired from rep football last year, um, but basically said, yeah, I'm not ready to retire yet. Uh, Caught up with Jamie Feeney, who's going to be the NRLW coach for the Titans and has got a contract out of it. So that's a huge sign, I think, for the Titans. Massive amounts of leadership and experience. Um, Damn strong, hard runner. Yeah. Hates New South Wales. Oh, so yeah, that's great. Keep going. <laughs> so great having a World Cup winner and dual grand final winner and and Queenslander join the Titans. So 
huge. And obviously, she's going to. I really am. Yeah, it's. I love watching a lot of the games last year, and um, I hope that there's some more of the rugby players like Charlotte Caslick came over and played, and some of these elite NRL uh, rugby sevens players who played in last season when it was on. I really hope some of them come back and play as well. So the more talent we get, the more the more girls we're going to have playing rugby league. I've got a bunch of my year 11 girls and other year 11 girls at school who want to start a rugby league team next year. We're a rugby union school. So we're looking for competitions to get involved in there. And the more of these players we have coming back and high quality players playing, it can only do positive things for the women's game and rugby league in general. Absolutely. All right. I reckon, I reckon we'll wrap it up there, kids. Um, thanks for jumping on and I'll probably be hitting you up again probably in a fortnight. And thank you, everyone who's listened. And who, if you're a new listener, an old listener, uh, continue to like, share, review. Uh, really helps us out. The higher we get up the rankings on Apple, Spotify, et cetera, the easier it is for new people to find us. So continue to throw our name out there and support the show. That would be appreciated. Until next see time, see you later. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.